In times of crisis, healthy rhythms become critical to our spiritual, physical, and emotional health. The truth is that you already have rhythms in your life. The question is, are they good? I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. Welcome to the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. doing okay yourself i'm doing great so uh we launched the podcast I, we recorded those first four all at once love your neighbor politically yep. and they all all launched um i think three the first week and one after that nice. and uh it uh, was good what'd you hear um from the people that i sent it to trying to promote and get good good reviews and word of mouth um people really enjoyed it so that's encouraging for us not to brag or boast about how good we're doing but it is nice to know that what we're saying is resonating with people and that they're taking it to heart that's why we wanted to do that um one of the the greatest ways that people can help support the podcast if it was helpful for you is to leave a review the uh, the algorithms, I don't know even what that means, but it's, the algorithm is a mystery. Really. <laughs> it's a mystery. Uh, they love reviews. That helps people find the podcast. And we had a few people leave some really kind reviews. I thought I'd just read a couple of them. Uh, Greg said, glad to have found this. Love your neighbor politically was so good. I will be sharing uh, with others to hear. Thanks for preaching the gospel. Thanks, Thank Greg, you. for listening. Oh, man, Greg. And Neil said, a very timely podcast, not only for society at large, but even in my own heart and life, God has been working on me a lot lately in this area. Praise God. Well, you know, we know that salvation, you know, we get to work that out with fear and trembling, and we hope that this has been able to edify you as you're working through that. Absolutely. So thanks so much for doing that. And we would ask you, however you're listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever, if you could leave a review, that would really help us. And, and you know, word of mouth is always the best. So let other people know. We would appreciate that. Uh, I do have one beef with our world right now, though, Taylor. Just one? Uh, just really just one. Okay, well, what is it, if I can ask? Did you listen to the debate? Listening is a strong <laughs> word. I, I, <laughs> uh, you, the, the, the tantrum, it wasn't really, I don't know. I, it's hard to listen to people who don't listen to each other. Oh, so, so that you're kind of getting at what my beef is. My beef is that it, it appears, shocking as it may be, it appears that neither presidential candidate has listened to our first four episodes. What? But with all the wisdom and good things we are saying, <laughs> I am offended. <laughs> so if anybody out there can speak to either of them, uh, recommend, recommends the podcast to them. And uh, that would be great. It would so. solve all the problems. Oh, I'm sure. All the problems. Everything are would be peachy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, if uh, if as you're talking to people, and I know people are saying, "I'm so disappointed. I'm so discouraged. This was the worst debate in history." Really, uh, as as you're hearing that, um, then maybe just say, "Hey, I do have some something good you could listen to." And I had several people reach out and say, "I needed something positive about how." to address politics, so thanks for the first four episodes. So maybe you can steer them that way, and it'll encourage them in a healthy biblical way. 
you know, politics have their own way of dealing with certain issues and crises that come up. And we see that for a lot of the times uh, the government is reactionary, that something happens and then they jump into making decisions mm -hmm. uh, and figuring out what, what's the best thing to do. Um, for, I think, a great majority of churches, uh, dealing with COVID and the pandemic was also very reactionary. We didn't see this coming. We weren't anticipating it. And there wasn't any backup plans or should something like this occur, here's how we're going to handle it. And I think it's forced a lot of churches to kind of step up their game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you go, I, I wish we could go back seven months and be <laughs> right? like, oh man, if we could have planned this for seven months, but you, we don't get those opportunities because no. this was a curveball that uh, nobody saw coming. No, no, they didn't. And and you being a pastor, um, I sure, I, I think that I can assume this is a really easy time for you. Oh, no problems, just navigating it smoothly, no issues. It's been really hard, hasn't it? Yeah, it it has. Um, it's it's not anything like I've gone through in my first twenty two years in ministry. Um, actually, a little more than that. Um, and as I've talked to uh, preacher friends and folks in ministry. Um, around the country, um, people are worn out. They're really worn out. It's yeah. just been kind of a brutal season, to be honest, um, for lots of ways. And they kind of feel torn out from different angles over different issues. So it's been tough. Especially in, in ministry, where we're supposed to meet certain needs, primarily spiritual needs, and then physical needs and mental needs and emotional needs. As a pastor, um, could you kind of dig into what are the main contributing factors that go into the decision-making process uh, from the pulpit or from the board or the group that you're a part of that's overseeing um, the well-being of your congregation? Yeah, when, when I prepare my sermons, I picture a table, and at that table is someone who's been following the Lord and studying their scriptures for decades, and I want to have something to say to them from scripture. And I picture somebody who's new to Christ, and I want that sermon to speak to them. And I picture somebody who doesn't know the Lord, who maybe is there for the first time, maybe from the neighborhood who, who showed up. And I want to picture them, and I want my sermons to have something to say to all of them. And I picture that same group of people when we try to make leadership decisions, yeah. because the decisions that we're making uh, impact the longtime believer and the person who's brand new, uh, maybe to the church, uh, maybe to following Jesus. And they also impact people who are maybe guests or who are not yet guests at our church. And we want to have a healthy balance of all of those. Uh, so with this, at the same point, we want to have a healthy balance of thinking through different cultural groups and people from different ethnic backgrounds who are part of our church family and who are part of our neighborhood. And, um, you know, this pandemic has impacted them in different ways people from different, you know, work backgrounds, and do you have kids or do you not? We, we try to just have a balanced approach to love all people because our natural thing is to think about me and everybody's like me, and that's just not true. So we want to have a balanced approach to that. I think for a lot of people, there's uh, the um, temptation to do a knee-jerk reaction for an immediate uh, decision or an immediate fix to a problem, and there isn't always a lot of concern about, okay, but let's look at five months from now. Let's look yeah. at a year from now. So how are you able to not make those knee-jerk reactions, but actually consider the longevity of the decisions the, that are being made? The biggest question that our leadership has been asking 
is what is God trying to teach us in this? Mm. And uh, because every season of life, that question is practical and it means something, especially in a moment where it seems like the world is turned upside down. Um, surely there are some good things that God wants to teach us uh, in these moments. And I heard Kerry Newoff say that crisis is not just a disruptor, but it's an accelerator. Hmm. So we actually get a little glimpse in a crisis of maybe what the future looks like. Oh, wow. And I think that's a really great thought. But just to try to, that helps it be prayerful and be like, well, you know what, what is God teaching us? We don't need to panic and think that everything's terrible. Um, we can grieve and we can lament with the loss of life and the struggle. And I was talking to a friend yesterday who had the virus and um, realized it when he had a 105 degree temperature. Um, and his wife was trying to talk him into going to the hospital and he thought he would be fine. <laughs> you know, typical guy. Um, but um, he's home now, uh, praise God. But he also is never going to be quite like he was. The doctor yeah. said, um, you know, 80% of your lung capacity and your energy is maybe what you can expect. And so he's got some grieving to do, yeah. you know, on that side of it. So we, we, we want to embrace that and lament that and not ignore that. And yet also have our faith in Christ that he's doing something in this and he's still Lord. And so we try to bring all of those things together and see, yeah, I think God's doing something. Then how are you able to determine uh, which experts you're going to listen to? There, are, there appears to be a lot of conflicting interpretation of the data. The data seems to be pretty consistent across the board for everyone to have access to, but how people are interpreting it or how they're saying, here's what it's saying, how do you decide who you're going to listen to for health and safety and procedures and policies and yeah. for the church? We um, asked three people to lead a pandemic response team that was then getting, they were getting input from a number of people. And those were three people that have medical backgrounds or are working in the medical community right now, all from different angles. But that wasn't the most important thing. That was important. The most important thing was three people who have exhibited godly integrity, mm. who haven't been easily swayed by you know partisan bickering or prone to kind of wild goose chases on the internet, uh, but people of sound faith, people respected by the church members, people that would work together as a team. And we just asked them to dig into what are they seeing in Tulsa? What are you hearing in the local hospitals? And looking at the Tulsa, Tulsa Health Department um, numbers and then reading actual hospital reports and what are the best practices for the community and realizing that there's still going to be fluctuation. We're going to learn things. We're going to change our minds on a few things, but we're going to give it our best effort to follow those best practices. And so that team then gave input and advice to the eldership of the church. And we, you know, have the, the elders have taken ownership to say, this was not the response team's decision. They gave us great input and we're thankful. And then we're going to make this decision based on that. And so that's kind of how yeah. we've done that. I think the most dangerous thing is when you leave it to one person to make the decision. Mm. That's That doesn't appear to be biblical, and yeah. it doesn't appear to be wise. Yeah. I ran away from that as fast as I could. <laughs> and when, when somebody would say, hey, Brian, can I use the building and my group come do this? I was like, well, I never made that decision before, and I'm certainly not making it now, yeah. but, but here's the process for that. And so, uh, you know, with... With those things, there's always some gray, and um, and so the team and the 
the whole staff team and the eldership and the response team, our facilities team has been awesome and working together. And so a lot of communication there. And um, that's actually not been crazy difficult. It's been crazy difficult to make the right decisions, but not to get along and feel good about those decisions. I'm really um, glad to hear that so. because we're, we're hearing stories of churches that are, I've already heard stories of churches that are splitting because of mandatory masks or not wearing masks or social distancing mm-hmm. or not. And I think the media loves confrontation and sure. loves the conflict that can appear within, if you will, peaceful organizations and institutions. So I'm really glad to hear that. That's really cool. Yeah, and that's not to say we haven't had people frustrated with us on both ends. Sure. We have. Um, but we've kept together uh, and uh, um, probably um, are, are doing pretty well. I, I know I have lots of friends that I've just grieved with them because their church is just in complete division right now where it's not a couple people on either end of the spectrum it's huge groups of people plotting you know and that's just everything against the gospels it's just breaks the heart of 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 god yeah and so it breaks my heart too well then we mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about three ways that we can kind of guard protect or uh, take care of our souls uh, during this time, during this strange pandemic. You want to just hop into those and kind of uh, yeah. go through these? Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for asking those questions. And we wanted to just really help people with some rhythms yeah. uh, that they could practice, habits that they could practice, really practical. And so we've got three of them that can help anybody during this season, uh, especially because I think the rhythms become so important when you're in a crisis. I think they're yeah. always important. They're, it's magnified with the importance right now. So, uh, rhythm number one is listen to God before you peek at the news. Now, that sounds really cool, but what does that actually mean, and what does that look like? Okay, it's not complicated. You okay. wake up. All right. You do what you need to do. Gotcha. Uh, and then you spend time with your heavenly dad. Okay, so I don't do anything you said, and I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so when, when I'm saying spend time with God before you look at the news— let me expand what I mean by news. Please. I mean uh, looking at your social media feed. I know it becomes very easy for the, you wake up, your alarm goes off, you get your phone, you see who liked your Instagram picture, yeah. tweet, Facebook post, whatever. And then you're down the rabbit hole of, uh, I'll just not even finish that sentence. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I think we're all aware of the dangers of following um, social media too closely or, or you're just you know reading the news and you're finding out oh this happened that happened this happened and our minds get so quickly consumed yeah. by everything um, I'm not saying you can't click on the weather to see what if you should wear a sweater or not right. I don't want to be uh, legalistic about it um, but I do think there's a really important rhythm of let's start our day with Jesus Yeah. so uh, by the way there is this a rhythm that we find in Jesus' life that I just wanted to mention this to people to remind them how important it was for Jesus, because if it's important for Jesus, it's important for us. So a few scriptures, let me throw at you. Uh, Luke 4.42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6.12, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9.28, He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. And we could go on. Yeah. But Jesus just had this pattern, this rhythm of going out, uh, often in isolation, sometimes with the disciples, to pray. And if Jesus 
found that important, I certainly need to find that important. And even in the Gospel of John, we get the, the high priest prayer where Jesus says, I pray that they, my disciples, my followers, will be as one with you as you and I are one. So there's this desire for intimacy because that intimacy with God is going to determine how we respond and how we handle things that are scary, uh, that we don't always have the answers to. So it's good to make sure that we have our uh, the right thinking cap on and our hearts in the right place to respond to things that are unexpected and strange. Yeah, so maybe when you're getting ready, uh, you're brushing your teeth in the morning, uh, you're listening to an audio Bible or you're listening to worship music, um, and uh, and then maybe when you're, you're eating breakfast, you have your Bible open, uh, your journal open, wh- whatever that looks like for you, um, maybe that just becomes the very first thing you do. I have a friend named Greg who grew up just really like a sports junkie. So the first thing he did in the morning, get the newspaper, sports page, yeah. reading the box scores, seeing who hit a home run, whatever. That was his life for probably 40 years. Oh, wow. And he would tell you today the greatest, most significant habit change in his whole life was when he traded out the sports page for his Bible. Wow. And it, And you saw this change in his life where Greg went from a really good dude, came to church a lot, to like a spiritual leader and mentor of others, and he would point to that one habit change in his life. So he's taking one rhythm, mm-hmm. and he's replacing it with a better rhythm. Exactly. Well, you said he was an athlete? Yes. So he understood the, a good stretch before really committing to the sport and to the activity then. Sure, sure. Cool. I call that a segue. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. That was great. Did you like that? It was a stretch. <laughs> I, that's for, uh, no. <laughs> Okay, number two. <laughs> Exercise before you get tired. So God made our bodies to move, and my body does not move as fast as it used to. Um, It's been moving a little extra slow this week because I ran kind of hard last weekend. Um, But um, uh, everybody was made to move. You know, there's the whole science that I'm not going to get into. Other people can do that better. You know, the release of endorphins and happiness and... Kinesiology. Yeah, all of that stuff. Um, But... We know that if our bodies were made to move, then it would be wise to move them some. And that may look like a walk or, you know, a couple of uh, jumping jacks in the living room, but doing, finding some way. I have a friend who, when he goes into work, he takes the stairs instead of the elevator, just a rhythm in his life. Gets his heart kind of pumping. And um, it's so easy to just put off exercise for another day. Yeah. And I found that if I put it off, before about eight o'clock, then my body's clock is like, yeah, you're pretty much done, dude. You're <laughs> probably not getting off that couch much, um, uh, or uh, you, you don't have any energy left. So that's why I put exercise before you get tired, because once I get tired, then I'm not, I'm not gonna do anything. And so it's just a healthy rhythm. And uh, sometimes my wife will encourage me to go exercise because she recognizes what happens to me when I don't, and mm. I get a little more cranky. You know, we. We talk about the soul is all of you. Yeah. That's why when a plane goes down, we say we lost 300 souls that day yeah. because it's, it's, your, it's your mind, body, spirit. And so we want to take care of our souls because it's just one Brian, one Taylor. It's all of us, all of that combined. Yeah. And so we want to pay attention to We don't want to worship being healthy, yeah. but we want to pay attention and realize that God made our bodies so we want to pay attention and 
and honor how God made us to be. You know, I'm glad that your wife encourages you to do those kinds of things. I have the body of a reader, so I like walking, not so much exercising. (laughs) So long walks are wonderful for me, but that's really cool that your wife encourages you to do that. It kind of gives you a little bit of accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a danger, I think, with guarding our heart and our soul is that we we, we kind of become very isolationist, that we Mm -hmm. kind of internalize things or bottle them. We don't really reach out or have good, meaningful conversations. Not, maybe not necessarily that are going to change our minds on something, but there's something about having someone listen to you yeah. and, and being able to confide in them. Absolutely. And oftentimes you can combine this one with a relational component. Mm-hmm. So uh, Beth and I went on a walk this morning and that was great. So it gets to combine the physical and the relational aspects together. And that you know, can happen exercising with a friend or whoever. So it's great. That kind of leads us to number three, our final one for this episode. Yeah. So here in this pandemic, especially, this became important. Call someone before you go to bed. Uh, you know, the I think what many of us have missed the most is just hugging our friends, being yeah. around them. Man, I miss that. And uh, I think I've heard that so many people grieving that. And while technology is great, I'm thankful we can do a Zoom meeting and we did small groups via, you know, uh, video conferencing and all those kind of things. I really, truly am thankful for those opportunities, but we also need to connect in more personal ways. And so whether that is just picking up the phone and calling somebody or it's sitting on the driveway, uh, I love seeing people sitting on driveways. You'll see like there's two elderly people in our neighborhood and I'll see them in their lawn chairs on the driveway, you know, 10 or 12 feet apart from each other, yeah. sipping their coffee, having a conversation. It just makes my, my heart so happy because they're connecting in this intimate way, this beautiful way that God created us to speak to each other where we don't have to figure out the computer. We're not staring at a screen. We're actually making actual eye contact yep. rather than eyeball to lens, con- camera lens <laughs> contact and all of that weird stuff. And so... I think during this time, just hearing people's voices, everybody has different communication styles, but figuring out a way to connect with people through a call, sitting around the fire, on a driveway, however that may be. So let me echo this back. The three rhythms we want you to begin to practice in your life are listen to God before you peek at the news, exercise before you get tired, and call someone before you go to bed. Absolutely, thank you so much for Uh, being part of the show today. We would love for you to share it with others. By the way, you can connect with us. You can shoot us an email about show ideas or comments about previous shows. And you can also find my book, uh, Dancing in No Man's Land. Find all that at brianjenningsblog.com. And hey, guess what, Taylor? We finished five minutes early today. Man, we are just killing it on the ending five minutes early. Yeah, every single episode so far, we finished five minutes early. This is so good. Which is great because that gives you five minutes to spend a little bit of time in quiet, reflecting on how can you implement these three rhythms in your life. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. This is the Echo Podcast. Where we've been looking for truth in the noise. See you later. Blessings. Blessings.